I'm Jess. I'm Allison. And together we run a marketing agency called Sponge. A few years ago, we ditched the corporate treadmill to build the company we've always wanted to work for, and we've never looked back. So welcome to the Beyond Marketing Podcast. We talk about marketing, growing a business, confronting burnout, and unapologetically enjoying our families. Today, we're talking about how things are picking up for us in June, what changes marketers are making to their 2020 plans, and how sales and marketing leaders can manage their stress to get the most out of their teams. All right, podcast episode number three. Here we are. I'm so excited. We officially launched. Yeah, we actually launched out into like the real world. So people are like listening to us in their ears now, which is weird. <laughs> I know. I think I was telling you earlier, I have this like understanding now of why actors and actresses say they don't watch themselves on TV. I feel like I don't want to listen to myself um, now that I know that people are going to tune in or might tune in. <laughs> Yeah, even before that, I didn't listen to it at all. I was just like, so Carly does all of the editing. And I was like, as long as Carly's cool with it, I'm good. Like, I don't need to listen to us <laughs> and like rehash and rethink every single thing we talk about. But yeah, I am excited that it's out there and hopefully people are enjoying it. But even still, yeah. I've enjoyed doing it. So I think it. with each one we do, I'm getting more comfortable. But like the ideas are coming to me very easily now. Whereas like the first just felt like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You put too much thought in it. You just got to, you just got to go. Yeah, I'm like a little bit kicking myself. It took us so long because we were like trying to like craft this like perfect thing. And then especially with guests and then COVID was happening, we couldn't book anyone. Eventually we will have guests, but for now, hopefully people are finding our own two voices interesting. And then eventually we'll weave in some more interesting folks into the fold. Yes, yes. And, and, and I think there'll be more interest in June too, now that, you know, May was definitely so quiet. Um, and the June seems to be picking up a little bit in our industry, yeah. but curious about your thoughts on that. Yeah. I, so it's so funny because like, I feel like we're, I guess we're only a week into June. So we're recording this the first week of June and it already feels like it, like someone turned to like a switch. Cause May was tough. Like I'm mm -hmm. glad we got a PPP loan. Cause like we definitely needed it. Like we definitely didn't hit our goals, but then in June, I feel like we're already having like a bunch of conversations on new projects or I don't know whether like people are feeling okay to spend more or we're just oh, at least exactly. more bullish on being positive about the possibility of continuing, uh, where they were, you know, before this happened. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know, but it definitely feels like it's picked up. Right. So that makes me happy. So now we're just trying to figure out, you know, what projects we're going to work on and, and keeping everybody staffed, but that's been good. How is everything going on at home? Have you guys like gotten into a rhythm now that you're really not doing, you're not even pretending to do virtual learning? <laughs> yeah, so we actually uh, had paid for a private daycare. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so we only got comfortable with Matt's uh, essentials. So we only got comfortable sending them like the, when phase one opened. And we were only sending them three days a week. But the, the school there was helping them do their online learning. Um, that's nice. And so that's been a godsend. Um, but we also have enjoyed like being with them Fridays and Mondays. It's just no school gets done because Matt and I are working. But it's it's been it's better now than it was, you know, in April and the beginning of May for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're at my mom's tent now, so we have three adults to watch the kids. And now we're down to like 
three two-hour shifts. So we'll go like eight to 10, 10 to 12, and then three to five, which you, it just seems so much more manageable um, than just having two people and having to deal with like crunch all of our stuff into a half day. So that's yeah, been I was, super helpful. I love showing um, Matt your calendar because I'm like, look at how organized and blocked off this is because Matt will never let me get that scheduled. <laughs> I don't know how you manage that, to be honest, because like I could not do it any other way. And like neither could Drew. Like Drew doesn't have a lot of meetings, so I pretty much run the schedule because um, he's just does a lot of like, you know, independent work. Um, whereas like we are talking to people like 24 seven. Right. Um, so I'm like, oh, I have this two hour block. Like this is when I'll take the kids. Um, but otherwise, I don't know how we would get it done. But like literally on Sunday, I'm sitting there with like a pad of paper and we're all looking <laughs> at our calendars for the week. And my mom's like, well, I have something Thursday morning, like whatever, whatever. And I'm like, okay. So we have like literally it written down on paper and then I put it on my calendar. Yeah. That the thought of that just makes me so excited. I mean, I just, I show Matt what, what my schedule is. Um, and it's up to him to, you know, say when he can't and, you know, I can adapt, but, um, again, I, I applaud you guys for the schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. My friend who works at college board, she was asking me, she was just texting me yesterday and she was like, do you think, you know, Evelyn and Leo are going to go to school in the fall? And I was like, yeah, hundred percent. Like, I mean, like, I just can't even envision, like, not having school or, like, even if there isn't school, like, we would figure out some sort of nanny situation or, like, I know daycares are opening, so, like, Leo's going to have somewhere. Anyway, my, I wasn't even thinking about the alternative, and she was like, oh, wow, interesting, because College Board is just planning, like, is fully convinced that it's going to be 100% virtual learning for the whole year. And I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, so I wanted to talk to you about this, actually, earlier this week, is I've been trying to get... Um, from some of my friends in education, like some tidbits from board just to see if they're they're talking about it. And from what I can piece together, it definitely seems it's going to start off virtual. So I'm already like, okay, what options do we have? Because I can't do this in the fall and the kids need more than just, you know, four hours of day of virtual um, yeah. interaction stuff. So I don't know. I'm trying to take it one day at a time, but I think it, at some point I got to be proactive about care. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out something. I mean, we're set for the summer. We're not sending our kids to daycare or, or anything. We're just going to kind of handle it. But then, yeah, my plan was to get them back in the fall, but we'll see. As we're adapting to figuring out what our kids are going to be doing all day. Um, <laughs> Um, I know, I mean, I mean, I think this is just a general point of transition. I know a bunch of marketing teams are trying to adapt all of their marketing plans for the second half of the year. A lot of stuff is still up in the air, but I do think people are starting to make moves. And I would just say for anyone who's trying to go through this process and feeling like you're pretty behind, um, I would say that everyone is behind. Like we've definitely seen with um, all of the companies that we're working with that like people are finally now just committing actual dollars that they had in their Q2 budgets Mm -hmm. to actually spend on things because they've had it there, but they haven't really been spending it. Even though there's only three weeks left in Q2, like they're, you know, those dollars are now actually getting spent and contracts are being signed. Um, So I would just say that that's that's common. Um, In terms of like channels, I'm curious what you've seen Uh, with some of the companies that you're working with, I've definitely seen like a huge swing to do so many virtual events, which I'm like very curious to see if they 
So I think (laughs) naturally uh, people just fell on, okay, webinars, that's what we have available to us. But I think what I've been recommending uh, in addition to just webinars is is mixing it up a bit, right? Because you need to have a fully integrated sales and marketing campaign that has a good mix of both of those channels of sales and marketing. Um, I think it's really like an all hands on deck mentality. and there needs to be a good mix of marketing automation in there and letting sales know when they should, you know, have that action to take, you know, when, when someone raises their hand or engages, because I think it is going to take a long time to, to influence those deals since we're missing that in-person meeting. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's tough because like, you know, obviously people aren't at their office. So like cold calling is not going to work. We're not showing up at events like Mm in-person events are not going to work. So so many people are doing these virtual events and webinars. Like I almost feel like it's just like overcrowded at this point. So Mm -hmm. it is hard. Um, But I would maybe just echo, yeah, your, your assumption that like focus, um, and, and trying to get on the same page with sales in terms of who you're targeting, but then kind of split your eggs up in more than one basket channel wise. Yeah. Um, so that you're not relying on one, one thing or another. Cause I think it's just going to be really lopsided, like, or really lumpy with what works. <laughs> yeah. And I really think, uh, that it starts with that, with sales marketers sitting down and saying, okay, who is that target? What are the actual titles and what message do we speak to that buyer? Um, and even understanding like what demographic elements of that buyer for your product or service um, do you need to find out to create a more targeted message and that's kind of how you have to go after it um, if you don't have that buyer persona written off the bat right and then you craft those messages for those channels for that particular buyer Um, because I think you know obviously your service or product solves the pain point it's just about solving that pain point quickly in a channel that your audience can absorb quickly yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I don't know. I guess maybe we should just like share with everybody that we did do a webinar a couple of weeks ago on if you need to kind of forecast your your marketing plan quantitatively. Um, we have a tool on our website. We shared it with everybody. Um, if I think you can find it on our website, um, maybe yeah, we'll it's put on it in the res- show notes. It's, it's on the resource section, but yeah, we'll put it in the show notes for sure. Um, but yeah, this would be like a good way to just like have something in front of you as you sit down um, with your sales team to just say, okay, here are the channels we're gonna run, here are the campaigns we're gonna run, here's what we expect to get out of it. Um, And also to work with the exec team to just level set on like, what are the goals in the first place? Because I think a bunch of companies are, you know, having to ratchet back expectations um, in terms of what they can achieve from a lead uh, standpoint. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also time for marketing to really listen to sales and sales to say, well, when we were having in-person conversations, like these were valuable types of messages that we were communicating with in those in-person meetings so that marketing can turn that message, you know, into to marketable content. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we're going to get through it together. We just yep. have to be creative. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's definitely time to be creative. It is not the time to rely on that old-fashioned tyrant sales director mentality. Oh, yeah. So maybe this is a good segue because um, we were just talking about kind of old-school sales leaders and how they can usually kind of drive more 
problems than actual progress? Yeah, I mean, I think I've worked with many different sales directors, but you know the one where they use that fear to just motivate sales and that's just not going to work right now, especially with stress levels for not just your buyers, but everybody um, high because of COVID, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember working at a company one time where it was like, I don't know, we had like the Monday morning meeting and like everyone would like stroll in at like 9 a.m. And, you know, <laughs> like it's a sales team, like it's a bunch of guys, like, you know, yeah, just like chatting, sharing stories about the weekend. And then our... <laughs> the VP of sales would come in and it would just be like a cloud had descended upon like the conference room because everyone knew they were going to get, they were about to get chewed out. And like everyone knew like the situation. It was like, we had set super aggressive revenue goals. Like we were trying to grow over a hundred percent year over year. Like it was super, super aggressive. And it just like, wasn't happening. Like we were trying to grow too much, too fast. Um, And it was like a like freaking disaster. And like this guy (laughs) in particular, he had like something to prove. Like he was coming in, he had never been a VP of sales before. And you could just tell, like he was like out to be like the mean guy just to be the mean guy because he was in charge. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Like why you don't have to be like that. (laughs) And it was just like, I mean, it was, it was a little embarrassing to be honest because like the whole marketing team came because like we had like a super strong, like we won't need to be here. We need to hear like what sales is hearing and blah, blah, blah. We can work that into the marketing campaigns. Great mm-hmm. idea. But then it just became super awkward because the VP would be like, you aren't doing this. Like, this is a disaster. Like we haven't hit these targets. Like it's all your fault. You guys are lazy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, like screaming at like a child. Um, but like, these are all like, 30 and 40 year old people that are, you know, making all the money for the company. And it was just, ugh, it was awful. Like I didn't, and I never understood like why, because it didn't seem to help. <laughs> I know. So like here, this is going to sound so funny, but I often would be in similar meetings. And when this is when I was a parent, look at these like guys, like screaming and berating their sales folks thinking like, do they do that to their kids? Like, is yeah. that acceptable at home? Cause that's crazy. <laughs> Or even worse, their wives. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, to be a fly on the wall to just see if this is like only a work uh, mood or attitude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's not going to work. I mean, it w- wasn't working then. It's definitely not going to work now, especially as people are remote. Like you're not even in person. Um, people are already stressed. Like you're dealing with like 500 different things beyond like your actual nine to five job. Yeah. Um, I just think we have to build a better sales culture that is more inclusive and like respectful of the people. Uh, mm-hmm. Like obviously keep us accountable, obviously set right. goals that are yes. attainable. Um, I think that's but, key. Set goals that are attainable for the market that you're in. And as a VP, it's your job to really know your market and the, and what temperature it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember reading an HBR article like years ago that, I mean, I think it's like pretty famous, but like (laughs) there's like an optimal level of stress for like any role, any job, any situation. You need to be stressed enough (laughs) that you're going to like care and like put in some effort, but not so stressed that you like shut down or like just kind of fuck it all. Like I'm, I'm over this. And I just feel like, I don't know, maybe I just don't have the sales personality because I would not respond well to that sort of criticism. I would just be like, 
screw this. I'm going to get another job. Like, I don't know. I, it just would not work. Or on start your own all. company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, that, maybe that's what I would have done. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But it just, I don't know. It can't work for other people too. I just, I don't understand that. But maybe I was never in sports. Like you were in sports. And so like, I'm, you probably had coaches that were you know, really like riding your ass at times. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I, there were definitely times you had a coach in your face yelling at you, but I always knew that the coach had my best interest at heart and there's a difference. Right. And you always felt like you were part of a team. Yeah. I think, I think a sales team that has that camaraderie collaboration and just like their bosses have their back, but still being tough is definitely something to shoot a goal for. You know, yeah. I don't think you should, like, you just should have everybody's back and like you said, set attainable goals. Yeah. I mean, I contrast that with like the CMO leadership style and it's kind of night and day. Like I remember talking, actually talking to the same VP of sales. Um, this was like years ago, but I remember we had hired a CMO. I don't know when, but he had been on for maybe six months or so. And he was like, oh God, that guy is like such a softy. He like doesn't lay down the law, like doesn't like, you know, I don't even know who's like calling the shots in marketing. And it like <laughs> kind of stuck with me because it is kind of true. Like, it, because like, think about it. Like if you're the director of Demandgen, you are for all intents and purposes, like calling a lot of the shots. You have mm -hmm. your hand on the levers. Like you're making the decisions that are like bringing in yeah. leads or not. Um, right. You're deciding which ads to put out, like which, what emails to put out. Like that's not the CMO, that's you. Mm -hmm. um, and even the content, like they're deciding what content to create. And the CMO is like at a much higher level. Like maybe they own the brand narrative or right. you know, like that kind of level, but they don't really call a lot of the like logistical things and especially the stuff that like touches the sales team. Right. Um, and sometimes I think that like really hurts them because then you do have a culture where on the demand gen side, you can feel like you don't really get a lot of direction or even yeah, yeah. or, or even stress, <laughs> yeah. uh, like well-directed stress from the CMO because they're just not really that checked into it. I don't know. Yeah. And then I've seen CMOs that are checked into it, but then aren't, um, feel like they're in competition with the, the sales VP or vice versa, right? When the CMO yeah. does step up, the, the you know, CRO feels threatened. So there definitely has to be like some level of respect between those two roles. Yeah. So true. So true. I remember one of our clients had like the best setup. I like, if I ever like go back in house, like I will try and replicate this setup where there were actually three people and it was like the VP of marketing, the VP of sales. And then there was like this in between person that was like completely entirely operational. Like I can't even remember what his title was. Can you remember? It was like business operations or something like that. Yeah. And he like basically like helped with SLAs and process and a lot of sales up stuff, but then also reporting and marketing up stuff and, and like setting goals and whatever. But he was like totally not in anybody's face around like how they should be selling or how they should be marketing. It was just like a very nice intermediary role. I yeah. thought that that was like so smart and yeah, like brilliant, brilliant. That person in particular, like had such a good personality for it because 
at times, like the VP of sales was a little bit combative and he was just like, he was just like a little calming force, like in, right. the, in the conference rooms. Yeah. Anyway, if I ever start a company and I need to have, <laughs> have a sales and marketing team, I will have that person in the middle. Nice. The calm Zen operations person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, I need the Zen person as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And I have too many meetings where it's just fighting. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think that's a good segue to yeah. what we are digging. So what I'm digging this week is, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of just really tough news with all of the George Floyd protests and a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests. And mm-hmm. so I've been posting a lot about um, just pol- police brutality and also trying to diversify my feeds um, and just learn from different perspectives and even just like dumb stuff like I like I'm really passionate about like interior design but I don't really go out of my way to find like interior designers between behind like the three or four like super popular ones so I'm trying to like find other designers other makers of of things that that are yeah that's awesome that are representative of of different cultures and especially that are black owned so maybe we'll put some of my favorites in the in the show notes as well but that's been really nice and also just making me feel like I'm supporting people in like a very small but monetary way um that that hopefully can can just prop up other people and other people creating things um because you know that's that's what we're what we're doing is creating stuff so i want to help um other people do that too and it's just clearly needing needing a voice so that's what i'm digging yeah i think that's great i agree it's a nice way to participate for sure and learn more. Even Max's schools giving him different views on history. Like I learned yesterday Mm. on videos about um, Bass Reeves, who was during the time when Wyatt Earp was a, you know, federal agent that, you know, helped keep the peace back in the Indian Indian days. Um, But anyway, it was a story I'd never heard before. And I was just glad that the school was diversifying uh, their information for the kids virtually. Oh, that's very reassuring. Yeah. I remember, so I grew up in Philly, but then I went to school in North Carolina and I remember literally my, like within my first three days of being there, I was a freshman and I like somehow found myself in a civil war argument (laughs) with two people from North Carolina. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what? How did like, we get here? <laughs> I, we're actually arguing about whether, because, you know, it was like the whole like states rights arguments. And I was like, but it was states rights to have slaves. And like, I just was like completely, like, honestly, so clueless that like, other <laughs> people were not learning it that way. Um, so oh that makes gosh. me feel really good that maybe we're starting to make a change there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Cause I, I looked him out. I was like, I've never heard this story. He's like, neither have I. And I was like, this is great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My friend and I are going to read, um, uh, me and white supremacy. I haven't read it yet. Um, she has started it. Apparently it's like a kind of workbook, kind of like guided meditation, but also like sharing a lot of like context and, um, history that you probably learned a very biased version of. I'll share more about that. Yeah, you'll definitely have to share that with me uh, because I just finished what I'm digging now, uh, a great book from Reese Witherspoon's book club called The Scent Keeper. And it's uh, about a young girl with a unique talent for finding um, and identifying scents. And she embarks on a journey of self-discovery 
um, and she's ripped from her intensely isolated childhood home. Um, and she has to figure out her past and, and what she's going to do with her future. And it's just really such a great read. So I will definitely um, recommend that to you, Jess, to read or anybody else who's listening. The author is Erica Beimeister. I probably just butchered her last name, but anyway, it's it's worth it. Love it. Yeah, I'm, I have it on my list. I w- literally was about to read it, but then I picked a different one. I read some like badass female fantasy books, which is like <laughs> my favorite genre right now. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'll have to circle back. But. Yeah, you'll like it too, because also like one of the main characters' moms, like a powerful, uh, you know, executive at a, at a firm. Just the whole story is around like empowering women as you know professionals. So I like that too. Nice. Okay. Mm. Cool. I'll have to check it out. All right. I think that wraps up our third episode. Thank you all for joining us. We really appreciate that you are listening to our podcast. If you like it or if you have feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us a note on our website or you can reach out to us at hello at sponge.io. Love to hear any topics you would like us to cover or any people you think that would be interesting. We do. (laughs) We will at some point have some interviews on here. Uh, We're just trying to sort it all out. And if you have some time, we'd love for you to review us on iTunes. That will help us get found and build this community. Thanks everybody for tuning in. All right. Thanks. Bye.